Well, I want to pose a question. I do not have a slide, but this will be easy, okay? And the first part of it is a yes or no, which is the kind of question you don't ask of a group. Uh, but the second one is a little more involved, okay? How many of you have been overwhelmed this week by something, some circumstance, something in your life you were, you went through, you presently still are overwhelmed by something? Could could I get a hand out there in the live stream? All right, all right. Most people, all right. M myself too. And a lot of times when I get overwhelmed, I go for a walk. What do you do? I, I grab my dogs, put the collar on, and I go for a walk. That's sort of my decompress, all right? Now, here's where I need an answer from you. What was it about? Could we just go around the room? Uh, Carol's going to grab a microphone here. Let me walk off set because I'm going to give Carol the white microphone and uh, it's still on. And so give, give me an idea of what kind of things were overwhelming for you this week. If you want to type that, by the way, into the chat, I'm monitoring the chat. If you want to send it, you can text it to 720-878-3323 and we'll be monitoring that as well. What kind of things uh, were you overwhelmed by this week? Give me an idea. It's okay. You're with family. You don't, uh, I mean, don't give me a whole paragraph. Just like, what was the area? What was the topic? What was... <clears throat> My kids were screaming. Hold it close. My kids were screaming all day. Your My kids? house was dirty, okay. and there was too many sounds going on at once. The kids were screaming. The house was dirty too much at once. Too, too many sounds, just overwhelming. Wow. I don't have young children anymore, uh, but I, I just, I've been in settings where, like even restaurants, where I almost want to walk away. I want to, I you know, get up, pay for my meal, even though I haven't gotten it yet. There it is. Not sure what that was about. Okay, so anybody else? Overwhelming. So I, I have something in the chat here. Ralph says, absolutely, to the question, yes. And he says, I started a crowdfunding campaign and reaching out to all contacts of mine with the feedback I got overwhelming. In his reaching out to all of his contacts, he got overwhelmed. Anybody else? My job and the uncertainties of what's, gonna, what's ahead. Your job, uncertainties, what's ahead. Yeah, and it seems like, doesn't it, to you, tell me if I'm right, that oftentimes being overwhelmed with circumstances has a lot to do with something upcoming. It hasn't even happened yet, right? So here's another comment that was uh, sent uh, via text. Having to move again and the money involved. Moving is like the worst, right? Ah, uh, I just, I don't know if we're in the last place and we'll never move again. My son-in-law and daughter tell me no, but I just, <laughs> I don't 
want to move anymore. We have literally, in, in 40 years of marriage, have we been married that long? 40 years? 44, 45 years of marriage? We've moved 22 times. We were looking at it the other day. Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Now, we've been, we've had the place before this, we were there, I think, seven years. And now we've been in this place, uh, uh, this, I think we complete the eighth year next month in December. So these are like two of the longest, you know. So in some of those years, we moved more than once, you know. Just, uh, it's crazy. Who else? Who else? Text me, engage. No, okay, so I have one here. Yeah, so Nina says, uh, Nina asked Ralph how she's doing. Nina put into the chat, thanks for asking, Ralph. I'm doing pretty good, though everything is slow. Things, it just bumped on me, sorry, so that makes it difficult to read. Things take maybe five times as long to do. Lots of love, lots of laughs. But I feel well, no walking on that leg till 12-19, December 19th, then another couple of months to strengthen, strengthen the leg and knee, that is. Just the question is overwhelming, she says. And Nurse Jeff has been outstanding. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Yes. Um, dealing with um, a parent who has dementia and trying to figure out a place for them to be safe and um, finances and all of that, uh, and also having them be happy and content, um, not taking away their autonomy at the same time. So. Mm. Mm. so a family member that has dementia, now you're managing that, they're older, the challenge of that. And that doesn't, like my wife's leg from surgery, knee, is going to heal. And then, you know, we'll be back but the dementia doesn't, you know, that element doesn't heal. It's just now, now the family has entered a whole new realm of living, a whole new day. Carol, what did you have? I'm always overwhelmed. Um, due to my, um, my wonderful health, I get overly stimulated and I'm always overwhelmed by the smallest things. Overstimulated, <laughs> overwhelmed, and they seem to be just the smallest things. Yeah. Now, being overstimulated for some individuals isn't just, well, there's a lot going on. There can actually be physiological, psychological, emotional, you know, circum or stems to that where uh, medically and psychologically it, it triggers stuff. And wow, you talk about a bad day. Uh, leads to poor health, things like that, not sleeping well. Nina adds, overwhelmed by not being able to get down three steps out of my house. Yeah. So, so far, we've just been rolling her. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> my brother over here went, <laughs> no, I have not been rolling Nina out of the house, okay? No, we're, we have not done that. Tempted, but no. Who else? Anybody else in the chat here? I have no other texts. 720-878-3323 or 
8899 will come directly to me. Anybody else watching? Anybody else in the, you, you, have you been overwhelmed? Yeah. By, give us an idea, what kind of things? Thank you for all the engagement here, wonderful. Oh, I was gonna just say just work, which is so cliche because it's something I've been saying for like three years as something that's been overwhelming, um, but it continues to be overwhelming and I've recently identified that it's because of work being overwhelming that I don't function the way that I used to in my personal life either. So it affects how, how I do things in my personal life now at this point. Yeah, it tends to sort of blend together and you're overwhelmed in these areas, but now it's blending over into your personal life and you're not yourself and not responding to people and other things the way that you normally would. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a last one, Carol, over here, Franny. <coughs> Um, physically overwhelmed by something I've done for family and friends this time of year for over 30 years. So obviously the holidays uh, for a lot of individuals, I hear a little bit of ringing, I'm not sure what's, um, is hard, right? It's very hard because we're, we're, we're faced not only with the normal things in life that are challenging to us, but we're faced with we're faced with the increased responsibilities of holidays and the expectations. The expectations are so difficult to deal with. Boy, do I have a message for you. Thank you for all of this input, everybody. I want to talk to you today about three things that you should do Three things you can do, three things I hope from this morning on you will do when you are feeling overwhelmed. Let's define overwhelmed. First of all, it means to bury or to drown beneath a huge mass. Anybody? Say, yeah. <laughs> to bury or drown beneath a huge mass. Number two, to defeat completely. Wow. If you've had that feeling, that sense, that awareness, that overwhelming, you've been overwhelmed. I, I just feel defeated. I, I just can't get my arms around it. I'm, I'm always emotionally struggling with this. I fear tomorrow, my expectations. I'm, I'm just drowning. I'm drowning. And number three, to give too much to a thing or someone, to inundate. I think maybe, Franny, at this time of year for you, you feel inundated. Is that a word? Number one, first thing to do when you are feeling overwhelmed, remember, with God, perception is not reality. There's an old adage, perception is reality. But with God, he flips it. Jeff, I'm not sure I got this into the, would you check the 16 by nine folder for three slides? Did you? 
Oh my gosh, Jeff, because I didn't have them here and so I was making an assumption. First, I want you to look at a tree that grows in our front yard, all right? I thought it was dead. I was getting ready to chop it down. Let me show you what it normally looks like. But at the beginning of the season, it didn't look like that. Go back to the previous slide. It looked like this. I'm so glad I didn't chop it down. Let, let me tell you something before we go to the third slide. Now remember, we're told that perception is reality. And I understand the, I understand the saying because it's true, perception is reality. But God flips that, remember. God flips what you and I perceive as reality. He flips it. And he does that because things are seasonal. Things are seasonal. Let me show you the tree. When I left it alone and let it come into its season. Okay. So just because you might not see all the pink, pretty, beautiful, colorful in the present season you're in, I can promise you, if you keep watering it, if you keep spraying it, if you keep misting it, life's going to return. And why? Because your dream is in the DNA of the seed that lives in the soil of your heart. Your dream is in the DNA of the seed which is still in the ground. Oftentimes we want to go digging around in the soil and pull up our dream because it's not happening quick enough or because we're overwhelmed with circumstances and the like. All famous Bible characters arose from and were shaped by brokenness. All famous Bible characters, anybody that you could name, they all arose from and were shaped by brokenness. How about you? So what does that tell you? So number two. Number one is don't dig up your seed. The life is in the seed. It's going to happen. Stay steady. Even though the feelings and the mental barrage is overwhelming and you feel buried, don't dig up the seed. The life is in that, that seed. The DNA is still working. There is a seed. It's common to regions in China that is smaller than your fingernail. In fact, in its smallest form, I'm told, it, it's so small, it's, it's like the smallest seeds that, that we have here in America, and I'm trying to think of one right now that's just really, really tiny. You almost need a magnifying glass to see it. Mustard seed is very small. When you plant this seed, it's a tree seed over in China. When you plant this seed, nothing happens for the first year. Nothing happens for the second year. Nothing happens for the third year. Nothing happens for the fourth year. I mean, there's nothing above ground. It's just the seed in the ground. And then, in the seventh year, it takes off and can grow as much as 50 feet. Yeah. 
there is something inside of you that's so precious. It's a seed. It's in seed form. It's going to take off. It's going to happen. Maybe it won't happen this month. Maybe it's not going to happen by the end of the year. Maybe it's not going to happen within the time frame that you had designed for it and you were asking God for this certain thing. But you can count on the fact that the life is in the seed. All right? So your dream is still in the DNA of the seed, still in the ground, the spiritual soil of your heart. Number two, the second thing you should do when you're feeling overwhelmed. Realize that your brokenness, your humanness in those circumstances, whatever they be, maybe you're angry as hell. I mean, maybe you're ready to just, you want to give up. You are about to go to your employer and say, I quit, I'm out of here. Maybe you're going to tell your pastor, not coming to church anymore. I I don't know what it is, all right? Maybe you're ready to call your loved ones. Your Christmas is coming, and you're going to get on the phone and say, I'm not doing it. I'm just, I'm not doing it this year, right? Whatever it might be, that brokenness, that humanness that you're wrestling with, it's okay, but it doesn't define you. In Job, the 14th chapter, there's two verses. And I take them from the message translation. It goes like this. Mortals have a limited lifespan. You've already decided how long we'll live. You set the boundary and no one can cross it. So why not give us a break, God? Ease up. Even ditch diggers get occasional days off. For a tree, there's always hope. Chop it down, there's still a chance. Its roots can put out fresh sprouts. Even if its roots are old and gnarled, it's stumped, long dormant. At the first whiff of water, it comes to life. It buds and it grows like a sapling. I've, I've seen stumps long ago given up for dead, passed over, and all of a sudden you walk by and there's a fresh shoot, a sprout coming out of the stump. Beautiful, green, growing out of a dead stump. That might be your dream. That might be the circumstances of your life right now. You felt like giving up, you're overwhelmed, you're drowning and being buried. Well, first of all, you need to remember something. That you don't, that reality is not what you're seeing. God has a different way of dealing with reality. He can flip that thing. He flips what otherwise would be reality for most people. Secondly, though, in your humanness, in your brokenness, it's okay to be broken. All famous Bible characters arose from and were shaped by their brokenness. Your dream isn't over. And listen to me, Satan cannot get to your roots. Satan can't get down there in the DNA of your roots and cause you to fail in, how, in what God designed you to be, who God designed you to be, and what he gave you to do. Satan can't get to that root. Now, there is something that will. It's called a root of bitterness in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. A root of bitterness. See, when you become bitter and then you give up 
and you just pull up the seed and you say, not going to do it, not going to trust God, not going to believe God. This thing has completely defined my life. I give up. Well, that root of bitterness can get down there inside and it might pull up that seed. You see, seed is really best defined by the word desire. God gives us our desires. What you're passionate about. God gave you that. Follow your heart. Follow your passions. God put that passion there. Scripture says God gives us the desires of our heart, which means not only that he answers them, he's the one that authors them. Now, it might not happen your way. I have a good friend. In fact, you know him. You've, we don't talk much about his wife, but John Master Giovanni, right? We talk about him fairly regularly. Well, his wife, Karen, has gotten cancer in certain parts of her body. Listen to this. Here's what she said after her diagnosis and becoming weak with cancer and starting treatments. Listen. I'm not fighting cancer. I'm resting in my partnership with God. She's not trying She's not trying to believe harder. She's not, you know, going to the Word and believing God and making it happen with Scripture. She's resting in her partnership with God. Oh, what a woman of faith. What a woman of faith. She's just going to rest. She knows who God made her to be. The DNA is still in the soil. She's not giving up. She's not going to pull up the seed. And then all of this is going on and they get body slammed, slammed sideways, T-boned by the insurance company that they're going to cancel their insurance and that her insurance doesn't support or pay for this cancer and the treatments for it. And now they have to find new insurance. Now get this, they got new insurance and guess what? Where the old insurance wouldn't pay for it, the new insurance covers everything, even the past. But she couldn't have imagined that in the moment, right? Got all this going on, you want to go pull up your seed, give up, say it can't be true for me. No, it is true for you because God's designed you. God's put a seed in you. Don't give up. Don't say no. Don't say, I, I cancel this thing. Just remember, God flips things. When you perceive something that's dead, God flips that and he makes it alive. And then allow yourself to be human. Allow yourself to be broken. It's okay. It doesn't define you. I remember a couple of years ago when we lost the facility that we were meeting in. And we were getting ready to open a daycare. And so we couldn't keep our daycare director. And long story short, the church that we meet in here, St. John's Lutheran Church of Thornton, Colorado, they already had a daycare. But they had 
fallen upon hard times, had lost their director, and they were going to close their school. And I was in communication with their, the, the president overseer of their school, and I heard this, and I said, wait a minute, don't. Don't, don't take those steps. We're unable to keep our daycare director. I want you to interview her. I promise you, please, just interview her. They did and hired her on the spot. Jennifer came in, turned the school upside down, and now it's been three years. They've been going and blowing. She got them a new bus and 40 more butts in the seed, and oh my goodness, got them out of the red into the black. So what looked like failure in our lives, God flipped that thing, used it out of our brokenness to redeem a situation at another church that's become a home for us and embraced us. And this live stream is coming to you out of the sanctuary of that church. Oh my goodness, so much has happened. So much, so much has happened. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you, and I know we might have a, a Lutheran or two in here, but it's okay to say, thank you, Jesus. Just go ahead. Just let him know, man, this is good. Even in my brokenness, see, that's some of what all of this is about is because if your mind takes over, if your emotions take over and overwhelm you, you need to counteract that. All right? God's going to flip that thing, number one. Number two, in your brokenness, don't totally go there. Allow yourself to be broken, but then begin to speak. Begin to speak. So I'm right now in physical therapy for a compressed disc. I started the year with some new bouts with, uh, with uh, sciatica. And I've off and on through the years had sciatica pain, and, and it just, I thought this was another. And so, but through the year, it got worse. It, it, you know, it grew. And, and then I was having sciatica even, and I'd play racquetball and be fine, but go shopping and just be strolling or, you know, walking along slowly, and boy, that thing would come on. I decided because of the level of the pain and that it was consistent and persistent to go and be checked to have some x-rays. Guess what they found? A compressed disc between my, I think it's L5 and S1. It's way down deep in your back, at the very bottom of your spine. I've lost 80%. You know your discs are 80% are water. Your disc, that disc material. 80% water. I've lost 80% of the disc, right? I only have 20% left. And it's being crushed because what, what would normally be an open space there in a nice f f uh, 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 flush disc, you know, puffy disc is, is crushed down. And then there's a hole that leads out of that spinal area where the nerves run. And so that's shut down too. Okay, and that's what's pinching the nerve and causing me a problem. So they put me in PT, which is a set of adjustments, chiropractic adjustments, going on a TENS machine. That's where they stick little diodes on you, you know, and, 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 it, and it vibrates, kind of like a little electric shock. 
type of thing. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's wonderful. But then they lay me on a traction bed. Anybody see the Mel Gibson movie where at the end he's tortured on a rack? <laughs> that's, that's my analogy. They lay me down on a bed and hook me up to this computer that stretches me out and it, and it, it separates and it, it, it pulls my body. I'm getting results, I'm sleeping deeper, my feet are warmer, my feet, I wear socks in the summer, around the house. My feet are warmer, and I'm going to bingo and spending five hours on my feet, and the pain management is just so good now. It's, it's, I mean, it's really working. And, 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 and so, what am I telling you here? Your circumstances might be compressing you down to the point where there's pain and you want to give up. Hold on. Don't give up. It doesn't define you. This compressed disc does not, and I will not allow it to define me. Here's where I was going with it. So when I'm lying on this uh, traction bed now, uh, which takes about 25 minutes just for that part. So I'm lying there, and my hands are folded across my chest, and it's stretching me out, you know. (laughs) Here's what I'm doing. I close my eyes, and I imagine my spine I see it, I imagine it. Pictures I've seen of the spine and then the x-rays they took, I imagine it. And I imagine that compressed disc area growing longer. And then I say to my spine, spine, you grow out. Spine, you be normal length. Hole, you open up. Disc, return to normal. Receive new life. Receive, be rejuvenated. I talk to my body. See, I'm not going to allow I'm not going to allow brokenness to define me. Scripture says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8, blessed is the man who believes and trusts in the Lord and relies on the Lord and who, watch this, and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. It's not just that you are confident in the Lord or that you have confident expectation in the Lord. He is your expectation. You know what that means? You don't have to drum it up. You don't have to try to become expectant. You don't have to try to become anything. You don't have to drum it up and try to be confident, try to be hope-filled. You don't have to be Faithful. He's faithful for you. He's hope filled for you. The Lord is your confidence. It goes on, and I will not fear the heat when it comes, but it, but it leaves will be but its leaves will be green and moist, and it will not be anxious or concerned in a year of drought. You got a whole year of drought. And this prosperous tree starts speaking. The tree starts speaking. I'm not going to worry about it. I know I'm in a season. I'm just in a season. This is going to change. This does not define me. And so the tree starts speaking. I'm not going to be anxious or concerned in a year of drought. 
nor stop bearing fruit. I'm going to keep being productive. I'm going to keep being involved. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep hosting over the holidays or whatever you need. I'm going to keep going into work and smiling and giving my best and doing my best. I'm going to keep meeting with friends and family and doing the things I need to do. I'm going to keep walking the dog. I'm going to go take some classes on how to elevate my exercises. Why? Because I'm not going to give in to the brokenness. It doesn't define me. Number three. I told you there's three things. Here's the third one. Ready? Everybody? Look up here. Say, I'm ready, Jeff. (laughs) Number three. God is bigger than the problem. Be with people who can help you see that. That's number three. You can't stop being around people who think this way. If you stop being in community with people that think this way, it just becomes so hard on your own, even with knowing that what I said in number two there about the Lord being your confidence. When you're being overwhelmed, sometimes that's not fresh to you. You need an arm, you need a word, you need love, you need a smile, you need somebody to bring. You see, you need to see God's bigness. Big problems mean big opportunities. Here's a conversation I had with Father recently. I was out walking with my puppies and listen, here's here's what I said. I said, why pray? I was talking to my father, my heavenly father. I said, why pray if you know everything? Why do I need to talk to you? Do you ever, do you talk to God like that? It's okay. Talk to God. He's real. He wants you to commune with him. Here's what he said back to me. Here's what I, it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't a burning bush. I, I, I just, I heard this in my mind, my thoughts, which is how God communicates with us. He said, communion and union are two different things. Communion and union are two different things. So I looked up union in Webster's Dictionary. It means instance of uniting or joining two or more things into one. For instance, the uniting of somebody in marriage. How, how many of you know you can be married and not be having communion? You can be married and not be in intimate communion. See, union and communion are two different things. We're going to have communion in just a moment. Now, communion, on the other hand, is defined as intimate fellowship or communication. It's not enough to just be, quote, a believer. I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I, I love God. It's kind of like, so what? I love my wife. I'm married. Boy, it's going to take a lot more than that. How many of you, anybody that's been married knows it takes a lot more than just seeing a ring on your finger, pulling out the papers and seeing that you did sign it one time several years ago. <laughs> and yeah, I'm married, sure. Ooh, you're, you're in for a storm. There's a lot of communion that needs to take place there. So number three is 
God is bigger than the problem. But you won't know that. You won't feel that. You won't have, quote, you won't have faith for that unless you are in communion both with the Father on your own and with other people who can help you think this way. You cannot withdraw from community. I'm going to say it again. You cannot withdraw from community. And people are doing it left and right all the time. I just, I don't go to fellowship anymore. I, I, I don't commune with anybody. I don't gather around spiritual things anymore. It doesn't have to be a religious traditional church service. Ours is quickly becoming less and less that. Now, if I have time, talk to you about something in just a moment that we're, we're looking at, we're praying about. Listen to this, Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. When you are with people who think this way, it encourages you. When you get around people that think this way, there's actually something that gets imparted to you. When I leave here on Sunday morning, I'm lifted. I, I feel more positive. I feel like I'm going to be able to face my week with, with greater strength and positivity and assurance that things are going to work out. Just being here with all of you. I may not even get into a deep conversation with each of you. How about you? You've got to be in community with people that think this way because something comes from that, Paul said. It's an impartation, sometimes quite supernatural. I say it this way. God so loved the world that he did not send Facebook. I know that rubs some of you wrong because your life is on Facebook how many likes you have, how many people consider you friend. Oh, come on. You have 5,284 friends. No, you don't. You have 5,280 people who have clicked on buttons because you clicked on buttons and you sent them a friend request. You have four of those people that are friends. No, that's truth. You have four of those people who, when you really get in the middle of it and you're overwhelmed, will call you and ask you how things are going. Who will get in their car and come over and bring you dinner. There's only four of those two, 5,284. No, the scripture says this. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus, God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, Jesus. And Jesus came in the flesh for a reason. Jesus had to do life with people. You know, God could have just like waved his hand and made everything better in the world and healed everybody and, you know, come to everybody with the message and, you know, said, come on, believe. That's not what he did. He sent his son. His son came in human form. God became a human and lived amongst us and communed with us. He fellowshiped with us. 
And the scripture says he was tempted in all points like as we. You say, well, Jesus never had a house full of kids. Oh, well, yeah, maybe not. But listen, he's been tempted with all of the same emotions, all of the same things that you've ever been tempted with. He's wanted to give up. Jesus wanted to give up. Jesus, you know, fought against his flesh, you know, his body, because he was 100% human. Spend more time with positive people. Don't let the complainers define your life. You see, I'm partnering with God who believes that possibilities are possible. God has not set everything in stone. God has not predetermined how everything's going to work out for you. You are partnering with him. That's why I love what Karen Master Giovanni said about her cancer. I am par- I'm just going to rest in my partnership with God. You know what? I'm not threading over my back in that compressed disc. Because as I lay there in partnership with God, using medical science, I lay there on that bed being stretched out in traction, I imagine my spine and I speak to it. Thank you, God. I just tell him, thank you, Jesus. My spine is being lengthened. The hole is opening up. My nerves are no longer pinched. I'm just partnering with God. I have a prayer that I'd like for us to pray. And then we're going to receive communion here, everyone. prayer of complete surrender the wording of it I want you to see it go ahead and look through it and Jeff if you would go ahead start a little bit of music please you say oh so you're trying to create an atmosphere why do you need to create an atmosphere well because we are soulish people and we are moved by emotions. And it's our emotions that get most of us in trouble during the week with overwhelming thoughts and attitudes that blast our faith and move us off center. So why not use some calming, reflective, contemplative music to sort of help us draw our focus and pray? You ready? Let's pray this together. Ready? Let's pray. I, out loud, please, I trust you, Lord. Now pause after each one. I trust your plan. I trust your goodness. I trust you even when I can't see. I trust you with my life my hopes, my dreams, and my disappointments. I trust you with it all, Lord. Would you take this prayer? What you can do right now, take your smartphone and just grab a, grab a picture of the slide that's up on your screen. Or this message will be up on our website. You can zip through it to the end here and you'll have this prayer would you pray it but when you pray it don't just you know I trust you Lord I trust you plan I trust your goodness no 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 take some time 
pause in between each one. If it helps your emotions, it does mine. I, I love to put on some music like this and just, because it helps me to meditate and to reflect. If it's loud in the house, and I'll put on headphones. I have some Bose noise-canceling headphones. Could we pray it again? Everybody with me? Let's pray it out loud. I trust you, Lord. I trust your plan. I trust your goodness. I trust you even when I can't see. I trust you with my life, my hopes, my dreams, and my disappointments. Can we trust him even with our disappointments? <laughs> Last, I trust you with it all. a comment in our live stream here. Lewis says, I, I feel that part of the partnership is to be able to take some of the overwhelming things away from other people like your spouse or your kids but must not water the bitter seed and love them. Like the seed Pastor spoke about from China, surrounding yourself with people who can, you can better yourself with, and sometimes it takes seven plus years before we begin to see that. Boy, how, how true that is.